Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's podcast, we have special guests, Transfix CEO Lily Shen and CFO Christian Lee. Transfix is a leading digital freight platform where they use technology, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to dynamically match thousands of freight transactions between shippers and carriers. On the show today, Lily and Christian discuss the opportunity in freight logistics due to extreme inefficiencies, issues affecting supply chains right now, why the company is going public, their thoughts on current market conditions, and more. This episode was recorded on March 3rd, 2022, and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Lily and Christian of Transfix to the podcast today. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you. Yourself? Doing fabulous. Thanks. I wanted to kick things off by just getting into a quick background. Lily, prior to joining Transfix, you had a career in financial services, Goldman Sachs, but also eBay, Wealthfront. Can you walk us through your career, key insights you picked up that ultimately prepared you for the CEO role? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've truly have had the privilege of being a part of some amazing companies over the course of my career. I did start my career at Goldman on the buy side, but I've spent the last two plus decades building marketplaces across sectors and and globally. Um, and, you know, over the course of that period of time, um, you know, what I've really come to learn is the power of marketplaces, um, how it's really, how marketplace models are really able to bring uh, a lot of efficiency to broken models and, you know, and really bring two sides, whether it's buyers or sellers, or obviously in our case, shippers and carriers together and drive far more efficiency in the system through the use of data technology and far superior user experiences as well. Yeah, I think so. for me, some, some key learnings has been certainly relentless focus on the customer. That is very top of the list in terms of how we operate here at Transfix, particularly with evolving and, and increasing expectations, and especially in such a complex space. You know, really building high-performing teams. I'm a firm believer, no matter where you are as a company, as a business, whether you're early stage, high growth, you know, large-scale, large-scale company, um, you have to be able to continue to attract great talent, build high-performing team, teams, and an incredibly strong culture that truly makes you a re- resilient team and, and business. You know, and really continue to drive innovation. You know, this is something that is truly core to how we operate here at Transfix. You know, this is obviously a huge, complex uh, space, and you have to really rethink and reimagine the ways in which freight can be moved and the ways in which people work. And I think we have a tremendous opportunity here ahead of us. Now, speaking of attracting talent, I was wondering what brought you guys to join Transfix. Christian, do you want to start? And then we could go to Lily. Like, what was the opportunity set that made you want to join the company? Yeah. 
there was a few things. So my background, just to kind of dive in there for a second, I did uh, mostly large companies, um, Citigroup, Time Warner, Time Warner Cable, and was lucky enough to um, be part of the team that spun Time Warner Cable off from Time Warner Inc. So I had that experience of taking a company public, essentially, you know, had a variety of roles there. Ultimately, um, we ended up, I was leading corporate development and we were sort of in the merger with, attempted merger with Comcast and then and then ultimately with Charter and wanted to do something that was, uh, you know, higher growth, more disruptive. Um, and so I joined uh, very early on WeWork and was part of the, sort of the growth that happened there originally as CFO and then went over to Asia to help launch and run the business there. I did that for five years. And where, as I was sort of looking at the next journey, was really you know, focused on being in an industry that, you know, was in need of disruption, you know, huge growth potential, massive market, but was very focused on how do you do that in an operationally disciplined way, right? A team that sort of understood the vision and where we wanted to go, but also was very focused on um, how do you do that, you know, day in and day out, month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. And so was really blown away when I met you know, sort of the combination of, of, you know, Drew and Jonathan kind of on the vision and the technology side. And then, you know, Lily, who sort of brings that together, kind of this vision, you know, but combined with the real, okay, how do we actually make that happen? And so it was like, okay, this is actually everything I was looking for in terms of massive opportunity, huge potential, real ability to bring in technology and people together to drive innovation, but with a clear plan of how to do that. And I then looked at it and said, well, my background of, you know, how do we think about, you know, capital allocation? How do we think about um, M&A? We think there's a huge, um, you know, acquisition opportunity in the space going forward, partnership, growth, those sorts of things. So for me, it was sort of the perfect combination of big opportunity with a clear plan of how to get there. And then my particular skill set of sort of M&A, capital allocation, new businesses, and it just all sort of made sense coming together. And Lily, how about yourself? What yeah. appealed to you about joining Transfix? Yeah, I mean, I I met uh, the founders back in 2015 and quite frankly, fell in love with the massive market opportunity, the vision and the opportunity to truly transform uh, a massive market. Um, you know, my background, especially in technology and operations, was really bringing that to life and the opportunity to have impact in doing that uh, to really, you know, drive a far more efficient drive, uh, drive and help build a, a better platform, a better experience and help eliminate waste and inefficiencies that that exist. You know, and, and also for me, uh, a big part of it was the team. You know, I think the the combination of, and this is how we have grown the company over the years as well. You know, really strong, I would say, industry leaders and insights, right, into a lot of the, the ways in which things are done and maybe the ways things should be done better, but also incredibly strong technical acumen and bring those things together. So, you know, one of the things I loved about Transfix early on was that, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not just a technology company trying to figure out the industry or, you know, kind of a, you know, I would say a more traditional, a traditional model trying to figure out the tech from day one, it was really building it the right way. And myself, Christian, the rest of the team having the opportunity to really, you know, scale that business um, was incredibly exciting. Now, I did want to get into this big growth opportunity and Transfix's business model. Specifically, the company uses proprietary tech, machine learning, and AI to dynamically match thousands of freight transactions between shippers and carriers. You have built 
this big marketplace. Can you describe how the company's business model works? How do you guys generate revenue? Yeah. Christian, do you want to take the revenue and we would talk, talk about more about the business model? Yeah, absolutely. So the core, right, the majority of what we do today is, as you said, the sort of matching, right? Sort of, you know, people will think of it as sort of digital freight brokerage of we, we work with shippers, we price that out for them, we match with carriers, um, you know, we sort of try to find the most efficient routes, the most efficient way to bring that together to really drive matches at scale. So 90% of our revenues today comes from very large enterprise companies. Um, and uh, it is on a, a transactional basis, right? So we get paid to move a load and match with a carrier, and then we have costs of, 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 of making that transaction happen. Um, where we're differentiated is coming at this as we have from sort of a data-first approach and being able to make matches very efficiently at scale. So, so very large shippers need to move, as you said, thousands, tens of thousands of loads, and being able to match that with the hundreds of thousands of carriers are on the platform as opposed to the traditional model of, you know, a, a broker who's on the phone trying to kind of, you know, email back and forth, we're, we're having the machine do it, you know, and then giving a human being the opportunity to review it. And so it's effectively turned a transactional model into almost a high growth kind of recurring revenue model because we're able to continually get better as we match. We've automated so much of the, the inefficiencies out that we can really scale this quickly, as you've seen from our numbers, you know, and sort of the revenue and margin growth over time. And then yeah. from there, to add on that we also have the software businesses that are continuing to grow, which I'm sure Lily will, will talk about. Yeah, just to add on to that, you know, I think the, the magic and the ways in which we've been able to make that all come to life has been, you know, multifaceted. Uh, we meet our customers and carries exactly where they're at. So whether it's through APIs, through integrations, uh, providing the software ourselves, you know, we make it incredibly easy for every customer, every carrier to work with us on board quickly. And then to be able to dynamically access whether it's the capacity or the freight that they're looking at. And, you know, that's very much uh, because of the matching platform that we've built. I think to take that one step further, the matching capabilities have been enabled because of multiple things. Um, one is because of the automation platform that we've built. So, you know, we have literally over the years been able to drive automation at every point necessary to process a load. Uh, and so whether it's through pricing, auto bidding, auto tendering, auto matching, right, it actually takes the aggregate of all those things to come together to really drive the automation in the platform. And we have built that. Um, the other the other aspect of the business that I'll talk about is, you know, our, our network level approach. So, you know, Christian's absolutely right, right. We have taken a data first and platform approach. And what that means is that, you know, we look at everything at a true network level. So, you know, if you think about it, a shipper is off like they are primarily optimizing uh, their own needs and their own supply chain. Uh, we work with multiple shippers uh, and we're able to look at, uh, I would say, synergies amongst shippers and between shippers and carriers and also amongst carriers. So we're able to really bring that together to drive value through the ecosystem. Now, there's a couple key themes that I've latched onto here. Number one, it's a huge potential this massive market of digital freight brokerage and also the fact that there are these efficiencies 
inefficiencies that you can capitalize on. Now, a couple questions. How big is the freight logistics market and why do these big inefficiencies exist? Yeah, I mean, the, the market is huge. It's estimated to be over $1 trillion. And that includes trucking spend plus freight software and, and services. And, you know, the reasons why the inefficiencies have existed for so long is because, one, as it is, the, the industry is incredibly fragmented. There's an incredibly long tail. It's very fragmented, many, many players. And at the same time, everyone works in incredibly siloed ways. And that is, you know, I would say uh, siloed ways, not only in terms of how they're working with, you know, their customers and, and other constituents and partners, but also because there's no connectivity in terms of a lot of the systems that exist. Now, because of that, as you can, as you can imagine, right, this is where the power of the data comes in. Uh, because we've built a unified data platform, and because we've built the modern interfaces and, and connectivity with the shippers and carriers we work with and the automation, you know, we've been able to actually identify, capture, structure, leverage, and then really build our machine learning AI capabilities on top of that that's helped driving the efficiencies through the system. Krish, anything else you'd like to add to that? No, I think that's all right. And, and it's, I mean, the only piece is when you then you look at that structural, you know, so historically, right, the alternative has been very, very manual processes for all of this, right? People had to pick up the phone, yeah. try to make, you know, use their personal relationships to connect, you know, a few loads to a few carriers. And and so not only were there sort of structural efficiencies in silos, but uh, there just hasn't been the ability to sort of take a more network level approach. And that, I think, is the big development that, that we brought to the industry was, was again, getting out of just like, how do I have an individual broker who matches things, but taking a whole network level approach, applying automation, all of that. So you're sort of fundamentally changing the nature of how the service is delivered, which has led to huge you know, benefits for shippers, carriers, and, and ultimately for, for Transfix. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. It seems to me like it's basically like a very sophisticated market-making function that, that we would be used to in, in the equities markets. And just so I'm understanding the, the business model correctly, is it simply that where, where you're generating revenue, is it through taking a fee for connecting two counterparties or is it taking the risk on one side of, of those transactions? How, how does it work exactly? Yeah. So um, t today we do take the risk, right? So we contract with the shipper uh, and again, take the risk is a, you know, somewhat term of, I think, accounting here. 
um, because we have a huge amount of data on the other side to know what carrier preferences are, what lanes they're good at, what the cost likely to be. I mean, that is sort of the nature of what we're doing is, is knowing where the market is likely to be on the shipper side and what, you know, both what the cost is likely to be on the carrier side, but more importantly, the service levels, you know, who can deliver on what lanes, you know, who's done this well historically. And so it's not just a, you know, our head of data will talk a lot about these are not substitutable goods, right? It is a massive market, you know, like a treasuries or something like that. But one carrier is not necessarily transferable to another carrier, right? So you need to both be able to make the market, but also understand the, the unique nature of that carrier, you know, where they're strong, where they're good, you know, where they have repeat ability, where it's just a one-off. And so it's, it is that market making, but it's one level advanced because you have a service and a, you know, a, um, reliability and, and all these other components that come into it too, that we, that we take into account. That makes a ton of sense. And so what something that you were, you were talking about the, the inefficiencies of the industry, what, what are one of those inefficiencies would be the environmental cost of this and What's the environmental impact of some of these empty miles I saw was something that came up in your investor presentation? Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's it's uh, one of the inefficiencies is, in fact, the, the waste that exists in the industry. And 30 percent of miles driven are driven empty every single year. You know, and, you know, I think that in combination, obviously, like many people are also talking about driver shortage. Right. So that has. You know, the combination of things have actually led to, you know, an incredibly high demand uh, and need for reliable capacity. Our platform, because of the tens and thousands of carriers that we've been able to aggregate over the years, because of the experience that we're providing the carriers and the reliability of consistent freight, and therefore that means consistent freight, uh, consistent revenue, right, and ability to really keep the truck moving, that is one of the things that our platform is incredibly good at. So, you know, I think that there's, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot more, quite frankly. And I think that speaks to the opportunity ahead in terms of inefficiencies, uh, in terms of empty miles that can be driven out of the system. You know, but as we continue to actually scale the marketplace, drive more volume, bring more carriers, right, and and recognize and, and identify those synergies across lanes, across carriers, across shippers, over time, you can actually continue to, to drive some of those empty miles out of the system. Now, I wanted to touch on the competitive dynamics in this industry. Specifically, who are you guys competing against? Are there anyone else... In the digital freight brokerage side, are you competing against a group of guys on the phone? Um, you know, do you have a competitive advantage in this market? Look, so there are in this market, as we've talked about, is is massive, right? I mean, just even digital brokerage is a hundred and twenty billion dollar market. The broader trucking industry, five hundred. You know, as Lily said, when you add in all the service and other pieces, you're talking about a trillion dollar industry. So. As you can imagine, there are many, many, many players in that market. Even within brokers, there's, depending on who you talk to and how you count, somewhere between ten to 17,000 people who are just brokering freight today. And so there, there are many, many folks who are doing this. Um, but generally speaking, um, everyone is doing one of two things, right? Sort of the traditional analog, phone, broker-led, 
individuals who are making calls who have their own personal PL within a larger organization who sort of are incentivized to not share information on the shipper and not share information on the carrier, kind of keep that to themselves for their own personal PL. So that's one piece. Others um, who have taken, I would say, a more, um, you know, technological first approach, but it's, it tends to be app-based. It tends to be kind of one driver to one load. And we think the difference of what we've done is, of course, the data piece we've talked about, but you know that network matching at scale. And the way we really think about it is, is monetizing the inefficiencies. I mean, going back to the question before, like when you think about 30% of miles, that's tens of billions of miles that are driven empty, right? And we talked about the environmental impact, the impact on infrastructure, you know, roads, bridges, but carriers don't get paid, right? You know, as Lily said, right? So if you're driving empty, you're not getting paid nearly what you should be. And that's one of the reasons there's a driver shortage is people, you know, sign up for X, but they're driving empty, they're waiting, they're not being treated well. And so when you can bring this together at a multi-network, or even a multi-network level way and start to really, truly drive out the inefficiency, it's better for shippers, it's better for carriers, it's better for the environment. And so what we've done is sort of rethink kind of how these things come together through, again, the matching algorithms and through the automation. And so there's a lot of people are in this industry, to be clear, um, but we think we're sort of approaching it differently and we're helping solve sort of the inefficiency in a way that it hasn't been done. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. So right now, like I mean, you're solving a, a highly complex issue um, with a with a very sophisticated product. When you talk about your algorithms and the matching algorithms, um, but right now, pretty much every industry and consumer uh, in the world has been affected by supply chain issues. Um, and so for our listeners um, that may or may not be sophisticated in, in this industry, what are some of the more important things for just everyday people to know about the current logistics shortage? Uh, you talked about trucker, dr- truck drive shortage um, and overall supply chain issues. What, what do you think is most important for consumers to know? You know, I would say a few things. You know, the, the, there, there's one thing that we know, which is, the, which is that the market is constantly evolving and it's changing. Uh, and therefore, right, the ability to build the technology platform that can actually manage, manage that and be able to dynamically, dynamically match and provide shippers with the capacity they need, carriers with the freight they need to drive the, a more efficient system is critical. And obviously, we, we know the supply chain is really the backbone of the economy. I mean, you know, especially over the course of the last couple of years, um, you know, everyone has felt it. Consumers have felt it. Shippers have felt it. Carriers have felt it in one way, shape or form. Um, but I think that speaks to the secular trend in terms of digitalization overall, right? The need to drive better data and analytics to help make better decisions, uh, easier and more modern interfaces, you know, and more connectivity across various platforms. 
uh, and far more efficiency from an automation standpoint. Uh, you know, I think that, and th- that's exciting to us, right? Uh, it's it's actually quite crazy. I mean, this is obviously such a huge market, and I know there's you know there's been technology pursued in the past, but it's still incredibly antiquated. Um, but that speaks to the opportunity for us moving forward. And you guys announced some big news recently, a going public transaction at an enterprise value of $1.1 billion. I was wondering, what are some advantages in being a public company versus staying private? Yeah, so we think there's a number of, and you can imagine, we spent uh, you know, a long time discussing you know, internally with our board, with our key you know, shareholders and partners of, of the best option. And um, where we landed or why we landed on the public option um, was, was a fewfold. Um, first, we coming out of 2020, um, we saw this incredible demand that people that there was a real mindset shift of, of both shippers and carriers saying, I need a different solution. I need I need transparency. I need reliability. I need to know who my partners are. I need to understand where freight is. You know, again, all the things we've been talking about. And so we started to see this this incredible demand sort of you know back half of 2020 going into 2021 you can see it in our financial results and we said okay well what we need to do is continue to invest in all of the products the sales and marketing the new products we're rolling out the software products we have because we see this incredible demand and so we just need to invest in that so so hence the need for capital secondly um, that it was a big sort of branding and marketing opportunity for the company that we have been very focused right prior to recently we have been very heads down and just building the right solution not out there as much publicly talking about what we were doing and this was a given all of the demand we saw and the success we were having that this was the right time to, to sort of announce hey here's what we're seeing here's the growth we're comfortable being out there being very transparent as Lily said this is traditionally a very opaque industry and so being public allows us to give you know, full transparency. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. We want to be out there. Uh, and then finally, I would say, it, it as we've talked about, there is a it is a massively fragmented industry on the service side. And um, historically, M and A has been very difficult because when you have a, a analog brokerage or you're you're using people to broker transactions, you don't get a lot of efficiencies out of scale. You have to add more people, more offices, all of the things. Because of the way we've architected this, that that we have the sort of matching algorithms, you know, with a person to, to watch them, but you can really scale there and the automation that allows us to be able to grow without adding a lot more people, the idea of consolidation becomes much more attractive. And so um, both through capital as well as through the currency, you can you know pursue an, an M&A path, which is which is quite interesting here. So when we look down the list of, of all of the things, it was it was pretty heavily in favor of both being the right time overall. I mean, any market has its ups and downs, as we've seen in you know, recent history. Um, but as a general philosophical matter, to be public, to use it to grow, you know, to enhance the brand, to, um, to give opportunities for both organic and inorganic growth. Now Transfix is going public via a SPAC merger, and that merger partner is G Squared Ascent. Now there's Hundreds of SPACs out there. I'm sure you spoke to quite a few of them. What made G Squared Ascend stand out as your merger partner? Yeah, maybe I'll start. And Lily, you can speak, you know, sort of on the partnership side. I mean, 
look, they've been investors since 2019. So they really right. knew our business. They, they were less than 1%. So it was, it was small, but they had seen the company through the volatility of the past few years and how it had performed. And I think they were excited about that. Um, so when they approached us, they were very clear of, hey, we've seen how you performed. We've seen what's gone on. We're excited about putting more capital in. The, the structure of the transaction itself uh, was, was very thoughtful um, in terms of they were willing to put in a $100 million forward purchase agreement to support the transaction. Uh, they were willing to put capital in. Um, if we had decided not to go down the path, they uh, were willing to make 50% of their founder shares uh, subject, you know, basically at risk. So they only vest to the extent that the share price performs over time. So they're highly, highly aligned with our existing and new shareholders. And, and so overall, it was just a, you know, a compelling proposal, a compelling structure with someone who's known us for a long time and understands this market very deeply. And so it was just, you know, a great partnership and someone to kind of together take the company public and go to the next, the next step. Yeah, I think that Christian, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the, the one the one thing I would add is, you know, given that G Squared has practically been partners with us since 2019, they have always believed in our long term vision for the for the company. They've always understood deep, very deeply, especially given all their investments in this space, how big the opportunity is uh, and our strategy and approach right to to really changing the game here. And, you know, I think that, you know, over the course of the last few years and certainly through this transaction, they have been incredible partners for us. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that, you know, with the SPAC and, and the amount of certainty, you know, around it, I think that uh, G Square um, has been a great partner. And those are key, two key differentiating factors is the Ford Purchase Agreement and the performance-based promote shares. You don't see both of those too often, so I can see the appeal of those. Now, prior to letting you guys go, I was wondering, are there any key insights regarding the investment case for Transfix that we haven't touched on yet? Anything that investors should know? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, I would say, you know, for me, a couple of things. It is the dependability of growth that you've seen from Transfix, right? Disciplined focus on investment and whether that's, you know, capital investment in terms of sales and marketing dollars, R&D dollars, et cetera, product development, or even in how we launch products in partnership with our shippers, get it right, and then roll it out. There is one strategy, which is the blitz scaling to spend all of the money that you can to get scale. Um, and our view is, again, that may or may not be appropriate in other industries, but in this industry, it is about building a repeatable growth structure that you know really gets better the bigger you get. But to do that, you have to do a lot of hard work, a lot of disciplined investment in the core, right? And building that disciplined approach to kind of continual growth has been a foundation, I would say, from the very early days. And I think that's one thing that investors should understand from us is that approach that you've seen the sort of consistent growth of revenue and margin. Obviously, no one can guarantee the future. All the caveats about projections in the S4 that people should go read. But that mentality of, of disciplined investment, disciplined growth, continuing to sort of scale over time is, is, is really important for us as a management team and what investors should expect to see from us going forward. 
the two other points I would add is, um, in fact, the momentum of the business, as I mentioned earlier on the secular trend and, and really, you know, acceleration and move towards digitalization for all players here in the industry. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I'm going to, and we also the team that we have in place. Um, so obviously you're meeting myself and Christian, but we have put together an incredible bench of executives, incredibly seasoned, uh, having worked at high growth companies as well as public companies, you know, with deep experience and very broad experience building teams and, and growing businesses. That's great to hear. So if investors want to learn more, the ticker symbol for G-Score to send the SPAC merger partners GSQD. And once that merger closes, your new ticker symbol will be TF. So Lily, Christian, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. We'll be watching your progress and wish you all the best luck with respect to the pursuit of these growth initiatives that you're pursuing and the going public transaction. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.